0: So now one season has officially ended because the D3 national championship game has been played. So D3 football is over. So two of them,
1: some... D2 also had their national title this weekend. Correct. So we got so, uh, we got two national champions. Yeah. They
0: There's have three been national
1: champions we have this three. weekend.
0: That's right. We'll talk about that in the show. But I wanted to do some end of the season awards to include.
1: Best coach. Jeff, who do you have as your best coach? I have Barry Odom because the turnaround at UNLV has been pretty incredible, especially what they have been for the past number of years where they've really struggled um, to really have anything on the field and then coming in and having a double digit win season and being in the conference title game in the first year under Barry Odom, who's a great defensive coach, and him also bringing in Brendan Marion, who kind of gets... This award as well, and a large part of why Odom gets this award is bringing in um, a really, really talented young OC in Brendan Marion. Um, That's been a huge turnaround there and I think is one of the more under-the-radar stories in FBS this season. Having watched Coach Marion uh, at Howard,
0: just a phenomenal coach to go-go offenses, it's so much fun to watch. And I, I, hope, I hope Coach Marion gets a head coaching job soon. Um, I have Coach Lance Leipold of Kansas. Just the turnaround that Kansas football has undergone under Coach Leipold, is, it's unbelievable. I, I, if you would have told me this about a decade ago, that Kansas would be winning games against Oklahoma, I wouldn't have believed you. And here we are where they're just turning it around. And, and I will say it one final time, that offense is diabolical. Um, I also have, as my uh, honorable mentions, uh, I have Coach DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer up at the University of Washington. Just loved watching them all season. And he. you want to talk about a riverboat gambler. (laughs) He'll throw those dice quick. All right. Fourth and one, end of round. It's like, love it. It's beautiful to watch. And uh, I put Mike Gundy on here because everyone wrote him off at the beginning of the season. Then they wrote him off again in the middle of the season. And then he beat Oklahoma and won half, you know, he was in a championship game.
1: Mike Gundy might never be able to die as a football coach. Like he might die as a human being, but his ability to reinvent what Oklahoma State has been is really one of the reasons why he's had a huge amount of staying power, as well as the fact that he's been open to bringing in a lot of talented assistants. To help iterate and keep um, them a little bit ahead of the curve, particularly on offense, um, which has been at a place that doesn't always have the most talent and isn't one of the biggest names, has really helped them meet the expectations that they have. And that in particular, one mega donor there has for the program, had for the program before past.
0: No, absolutely. You're right. And one of the things that has always stuck out to me personally is... Just to your point, he will be a legend there, and he's going to get a statue, or he should. I, I think he should. They should probably will name the field after him if they don't rename the state. I think the ultimate revenge that Gundy could get is to get that is nad- that stadium named after him. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's he had a great season, and uh, I'm excited to see it. Um, I want to move on. Best color on color game of the year, and my definition of this is any two teams wearing their home uniforms both on the field at the same time. So it's either a color clash or a color complement. And I had the Bayou Classic uh, watching Southern and Grambling wear their home colors, both on the field in the, uh, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, uh, was amazing. Um, but I had some others. I figured I'd ask if you had one before we go on. But I had some runners-up.
1: I am trying to remember now if Oregon State, Washington State, was also a color because I'm I am just a suckler a sucker for orange, so that would be my only thing. Is anytime that there are any uh any orange go, but I think all of your uh, all of your nominees are also very great. Um,
0: yeah. So I had in addition to those, I I had. Uh Southern Cal and UCLA—they went back to that a few years ago, and I just think that's a—that's always a super picturesque, picturesque game, or it's very made for TV. I would say color TV. Um, Washington and Oregon both times—they look great. Yeah, that all purple and, and that all gold. Uh, it was all or so all yellow. Excuse me. It was just great.
1: And very importantly, it particularly when you have a team that is green, or you run a really big risk doing a color on color of going against a team that is red and that being a problem for a lot of uh, people that are colorblind and doing kind of light green slash yellow and purple avoids that um, and also has a really great brightness. And purple is also an underutilized color in uh, a lot of sports
0: No, I think you're you're, more absolutely right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they should. Absolutely should.
0: Um, I also want to point out, they did not, in fact, Washington State wore some sort of, they didn't wear any home colors. They didn't wear the crimson in that game or or that red, that scarlet. They actually were wearing gray. And I remember pointing out that I liked that gray in that game. Um, So they did not have a color on color. But hopefully, Washington State and Oregon State will do that going forward. Um, I also had, and this was at the beginning of the (laughs) season. UNC and South Carolina were both wearing their home colors on the field. Uh and it was UNC wearing their blue. The Tar Heels were blue and the Gamecocks were wearing like a gunmetal. And it looked good.
1: I liked it. Yeah, I'll say I think we've mentioned UCLA and UNC for for these that light baby blue is just so sharp and so classic. Um, of course, I am saying this in the state of North Carolina so maybe they're getting to me, but um yes, they they are getting to you if you're
0: there. <laughs> UNC actually UNC UNC I take that back
1: closer. I am not in North Carolina right now I am technically in South Carolina however <laughs> um, I we did a lot of driving in the past weekend between states uh, for graduation and the visiting family and then we'll be driving in a couple of days to visit more family so uh, if I don't know where I am that's why
0: the globe trotting
1: Jeff folks
0: he's everywhere uh, I wanted to ask this best mascot antics of the season Uh, I have Puddles and the Washington Husky in-suit mascot wrestling in the end zone. And they do something silly every year. But this year, the Washington uh, Husky was jumping off of it, looked like a door that we're up to do a flying elbow drop on on Puddles. And it was just funny. Uh, Jeff, I know you had one from the same game.
1: Yeah, same game. uh, Puddles got stuck on a (laughs) zipline. And um, one, I cannot imagine the terror of being in the zipline, you know, in a mascot suit on a zipline. Uh, trying to handle that, but it was it was a pretty funny moment. Um, so some heart heartwarming moments of uh, Pack Two, the, ma- the mascots for Wazoo and Oregon State, um, being very brotherly in in their situation. Um, also kind of heartwarming, but a little bit sad. Uh, Butler Blue um, tore his ACL during this season. Um, And actually had to get surgery, which they actually had to delay because he had pneumonia. Um, So that was a little funky. Um, But there also was the previous Butler Blue, um, who is currently retired, as well as um, the mother of the current Butler Blue, were asked to do a few events. And there's a very fun video that um, the folks over at Butler put together of the current Blue texting being like, hey, I need help uh and trip the past butler bow and his mom stepping in for some events including um one thing that they do that's really cool is having blue present to admitted students that they've got admitted to butler so there's some really great uh pictures of trip uh previous butler coming out of retirement and and doing some of those events i'm i'm sure this shout out is going to make my butler alumni friend
0: very happy i'll have to let him know to listen to the pod this week um I wanted to ask the best food eaten during a game this season. Jeff, what you got?
1: I think I'm going to go with the Thanksgiving brisket I had. Um, now, this is, in part, I love brisket, so that helps. Um, I don't know the timeline of some of the food I ate in Greece on whether games were happening at the same time because time zones are insane, so I'm disqualifying most of that. But that was what, did you eat the, what did you eat the, at the soccer match? I ate souvlaki. Okay. Suvlaki's so really good. That one, which was very good. Suvlaki's <laughs> so uh, really good. So, uh, the other unfortunate thing in, when I went to the Virginia Tech game, I couldn't get a turkey leg because of the rain delay. So, I may need to go back to uh, a game at Virginia Tech to get a turkey leg. Because uh, everybody uh, in that I know of, the Virginia Tech folks in my family, have told me how good those smoked turkey legs at Lane Stadium are, so... That'll be in the watch list for for next year or the year after.
0: I keep threatening to get some of that brisket you keep talking about um mine was uh during week zero uh I had some smoked ribs while I was visiting uh my alma mater, and they were just perfect, and I love them because I don't know if you know this, but Virginia also has good pigs Jeff
1: <laughs> don't know if you know i that. am i am well aware <laughs> you you forget I was born in Fredericksburg. I'm well aware of how good the uh the barbecue is. Oh, yeah. We never
0: get any credit. You'll, you'll hear all the people, Texas barbecue and Kansas City. And then the Carolinas are always arguing about vinegar versus mustard. And it's like Virginia has excellent barbecue.
1: I should. There is plenty of it. There is a protected um, geographic origin for ham from Virginia.
0: There is. There is. Uh, and it. I don't know if Smithfield still has it. But when they did have it, that was a big deal. And I have had one, and it's delicious. So keep that in mind, folks. Uh, What was your most exciting game of the year?
1: So I think both of the Washington-Oregons are probably 1A, 1B. uh, And not far from them either was the... Sequel to last year's Purdue-Syracuse game, um, which was lived up to the shenanigans that happened last year, uh, this time in the great outdoors in Indiana instead of up uh, inside the Carrier Dome.
0: Purdue-Syracuse 2 absolutely had all the makings of uh, the thrill in Manila. It was great. Um... Mine is Kansas OU, uh, Kansas Oklahoma. They played, a, I, I watched every second of it, and every time you began to count them out, and every time you said, I don't know, man, they're, they're not, they don't have it in them. Yeah, the Jayhawks just don't. And the next thing you knew, Kansas had an answer. Kansas had an answer. Kansas had an answer. And uh, Kansas had the ball last. So they had the final answer, and they won the game. Um, And so I want to just shout out that game. I I loved Kansas all year. Um, Another game that I had for game of the year, Celebration Bowl.
1: I didn't put it on our list, but the Celebration Bowl was just was a classic. Um, I caught the last quarter of it because I was driving yesterday. But that was, yeah, I was not expecting Howard to be in in it as long as they were. And unfortunately, I turned on at the wrong moment, but for, for the Bison. But yeah, no, that was a fantastic game. Spoiler alert, I had them in it. I had them in it the whole time,
0: um, but that's just me. Uh, maybe these MiAC teams are good at football. Um, Jeff, because we had a lot of it at the end of the season, not between you and I, but in general <laughs> the sport, what was the best argument of the season?
1: I'm going to give this honor, and I say honor loosely, uh, to the College Football Playoff Committee, who really, really wanted to take this cake and pulled out all the stops to create a argument Really, to them from everyone else in the football world, um, in their picks for the playoff this year, they kind of they really wanted to go out with something to remember on arguments over who the four teams were, and they uh, they did that. So this ignoble award goes to them.
0: They thought because of my. Wild bias against them that I wouldn't give them an award, and uh, I, I didn't. But uh, my my best argument of this of the season is fight it out. Um, I wanted people to get on the field, play one another, and and let the results on the field determine things. And obviously, I was overruled by an unelected junta who was unaccountable to the rest of college football, and will continue to be so once we have twelve teams. Because, and I'll shout out the uh, full cast of which we are an offshoot uh, uh, down the street, a downstream offshoot. An offshoot of theirs, and Ryan Nanny said, "In 2024, when we're having this argument about who gets in, we're going to have the argument about whether a three-loss power two-five whatever team is more worthy than a conference championship group of five group of uh, eight team. That's going to be an argument we're going to have. That that is coming down the tracks, and that train is on its way. Subtle." So Purdue pun there,
1: but it's coming. I mean, if if we're if we're the nine and three team, sure, put us in. But yeah, no, I mean, we wouldn't deserve it over we you know the CUSA champion. You say that, but oh, I'm I'm not saying the committee disagrees <laughs> with with me or not. I know what they're going to do, but it's yeah, it's sad for sad for the sport that that's uh, that's a situation we'll find ourselves in. It is, and
0: what I again. have a problem when private entities begin to amass power to allow them to dictate to public institutions. Um, Moving forward, I want to throw this in here because I didn't think anyone would catch it. And Jeff, as always, eye on the ball. Like a certain safety from Howard University, uh, I wanted to see it. He caught it. I want to talk about the rule change of the year. I'm going to say mine. I'll give Jeff the opportunity to go. This year, instituted by the NCAA, Drones are no longer allowed to be flown over the field when players are on the field. And so that rule was instituted for 2023. That's my rule of the year, rule change of the year. Jeff, uh, what was your rule change of the year that I hoped everyone forgot? Because everyone seemed to forget, thanks to uh, the committee making their choices.
1: Yeah, um, the changes to the clock rules, which got a lot of discussion within the first couple weeks, there was a little bit of analysis of how that actually changed timings of games within the first couple weeks and it was it was some pretty marginal changes kind of on the order of you know 5 minutes 6 minutes per game and then we all kind of let it go and forgot that it happened after the first month which either means it didn't really work or it worked but not enough that anyone found it disruptive it was just kind of interesting cuz that that had so much discussion going into the season and the beginning of the season and then kind of faded as we got into the actual meat of the season. Um, I think it's also hard to find a little bit hard to find a lot of the data on analyzing how well it did, it did work or didn't work on some of its goals. So I think one thing that people were discussing is how long are games and it was a marginal impact on the length of games. But I'm personally very curious on, did it make a huge difference on how well games were fitting in time slots um, on tv because that feels like why the rule is there to avoid disrupting tv scheduling um or preventing you know making sure that other games don't have to be have their kickoffs pushed as a result of of tv or end up in, in weird tv places and that was sort of one thing that it didn't really see get discussed that much and i'd be curious as maybe more of that data becomes publicly available this off season if if there's some analysis that we can do on on those clock changes or Did it just kind of blend it in the background and it's not worth talking about?
0: I think immediately after the season started, it was a big deal because people were trying to discuss it. I think there was a last minute loss and everybody was like, had we had more time, but that's the argument. The game's only 60 minutes. So everyone wants more time when they, when they don't have the lead. Um, That being said, uh, one of the things is we had two massive scandals that came out immediately after the beginning of the season, so everybody forgot all about all these rule changes because of that. But more importantly, and I have said this, and I will continue to say this, and I'll keep beating this drum: it is not the clock stopping during games that keep making games last longer. It is not reviews, and I will, I will, I will argue this point with people, and I choose to say this: reviews are good because reviews make sure they get the calls correct. That is what's the most important, and it shouldn't matter how long they take. I understand there should be a time limit. We can have that discussion separately. But if the getting the call right takes an extra moment or two, they should do that to make sure all the calls in a football game are correct. So even if they are, that's not making the games longer. The amount of commercials is making the games longer. And if you cut commercials out of a game, and Jeff can speak to this because he went to a D2 game. I believe University of Indy is a D2. I don't want to miss Yeah, UND is D2. Yep. D- U- university of indianapolis is d2 he went to that game that game flew by because there were no commercials i went and watched my alma mater play when they played in, a, in the uh, labor day classic with virginia state there were no commercial breaks that game flew by I Had the time of my life for about two and a half hours it was great got to watch the band play it was they actually didn't have enough time because they had to get <laughs> run off the field like it was great because no commercial breaks so again i understand people want the games to go by a little faster, yeah, 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 the air raid is making game take longer. it's all the broadcast product it's I would and if it's not all of it, it's most of it. the vast majority of it it's not anything happening inside the stadium um I mean I guess maybe one of the sausage races, who knows um I want to ask this one, jeff uh funniest moment of the year, I'll go ahead and say it for me, it was the entire Michigan saga from Burger Gate to. Uh, 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 Connor Stallions. Just all of it. Very funny. Well, I'm not going to say the conspiracy that I said before, so if you want that, <laughs> you're going to have to you hit us up on socials if you want that. But uh, Jeff, I, I made the joke, an epic play is in development because I know some Michigan grads is going <laughs> to write this up. Um, they're they're going to write a new fight song because of this. What, what, what did you think about the funniest moment of the year?
1: I, I would say it's the same, and I think that it's interesting because you have a juxtaposition of michigan's two scandals which have one is entirely on the field and incredibly humorous done very incompetently with every detail being just bonkers and insane the other one is kind of a very traditional paying the players type scandal where it's like okay i don't really care that much there's a little bit of funkiness because it also involved covid rules that maybe isn't so funny but how michigan reacted to it was absolutely insane and hilarious and those that juxtaposition of that which is just funny with within the big 10 there being two really heinous uh events at other schools definitely made michigan stand out because it was really wanted distraction from having to think about a lot of bad stuff within the vicinity and yeah it just was incredible comic relief and i hope the Cohen brothers or yeah some michigan alum playwright or even you know an ohio state alum playwright are working hard at at computers to come up with a uh something on screen or, or on stage that takes advantage of all this material. Oh, and there's another Michigan sta- scandal that I think we also forgot about and involved computer crimes of a unknown and nebulous nature that is also being investigated by federal law enforcement. And that went yep, into the that, background. That's not funny. That's not funny. That's why I didn't bring it up. It's <laughs> not funny, but also it breaking there being like computer crimes. Without guess, any details, uh also is just weird. I just you know, I I'm tempted to write
0: a radio drama about this, and I'm tempted to get some I think there are some Michigan people that we know <laughs> that would come in and would love this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm seeing serious. This is live production meeting, folks. Um, but I gosh,
1: I'm so excited about that. Um We we do, might want to have a talk with uh Copy who's somewhere on the Discord. Oh, Craig! Craig, I was gonna say because Craig, Cupp, he Craig knows, is who I thought of. Craig is okay. Craig is a mission guy on the Discord. There's also somebody else that does a actual play um, role-playing game podcast that typically has some really great voice actors that are involved. If we need a cast for this, uh, we will. Comedy, so I'm I'm
0: in. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put <laughs> some notes together. Uh, I do want to ask this very quickly. Because you argue with Iowa people about who's a better agricultural producer, and you argue with Indiana about which institution should be number one in the state of Indiana. Great. How does Michigan's engineering school compare to Purdue's? And I'm I'm putting you on the spot. I am I am putting you on the spot for this.
1: They didn't let me in, so um, take That's take all I from that whatever you want. That not
0: very good. That's all I got. Not very good at evaluating <laughs> talent. A, a criticism Michigan has never had. Um, and finally, the most fun you had this season, Jeff.
1: I think it was talking to you and Josiah.
0: Absolutely. I For me, same. Watching all the HBCU ball and having people to talk to it about. But I, my thing has been the very specific Purdue, Oklahoma State, and, Michi- and Mississippi State gripes that I have had to – Watch Flourish on our podcast because I don't know that there's a podcast that's asking anyone about those three specific institutions' personal gripes. Uh, and I just love it so much. It's made my
1: year. It's because like every other college football podcast is at least one Florida alum on it. So it's why Yeah.
0: There are so many of them and I don't understand it. <laughs> By the way, we're good into this. I have had my mentions which is my text messages absolutely blown up by all of the people of Tallahassee, Florida <laughs> who said to me, and this will be the last point. The Rattlers have played so bad all season and they finally got a win. And I'm like, Y'all are the most. And it's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. they were 11 in one. Yep. That's what they have told me okay. all season, the same thing okay. all season. God, they're so, they just, they pulled out another one, but I don't know how. It's like, man, what it must be like to have that. (laughs) That'll be our cold open. And welcome, welcome to the Bowl Week 1 preview of Feed Your Mascot. My name is Gould, and I'm joined by Trotting Jeff, who this week, I he said for sure he's in South Carolina. But I think that's to obscure, I think that's OPSEC. He's trying to obscure where he's at. <laughs> Jeff, how are you? And, and what are you up to this weekend?
1: <laughs> I am good. So we started this weekend driving to Blacksburg for one of uh, my wife's cousin's college graduations. And then we are, like I said, hanging out with uh, one of her other cousins who lives in the Charlotte area. Um, and then after that, we will be driving to uh, her folks that live kind of near the coast in uh, in North Carolina. So I'm doing a lot of driving.
0: Listen, I I have been on the road quite a bit. Uh, you have been to Blacksburg twice, and Blacksburg. Let me ask you this: How far is Blacksburg from where you live? Like, how many hours?
1: About seven and a half.
0: So drive. Blacksburg is about the same distance from where you live from where I live.
1: It's about the same distance. Hour time wise, takes about five and a half. Hours I, I, I'm I'm like, oh yeah, because I'm I am now remembering exactly where you live, and you have one of the, you have at least one, if not two, of the worst interstates for yep. traffic. In yep. the U.S., yep. on that way, yep.
0: And then, and then, one of the worst ones in the mountains. Yep, because it's a two-laner in the mountains. So it's it's two lanes going one going each way in the mountains uh, with nothing but a guardrail. God, that's horrifying. Um, I am glad. <laughs> Don't do it at this. night. God no. Or in the <laughs> rain. Or if I I had a manual transmission for years and that was awful. That one time I drove out there in a, in a five-speed, I was like, oh, I ain't doing this again. Uh gosh, what a what a trip. Um, we're gonna talk celebration bowl because it happened. I watched it, missed it by that, missed it by that much. Uh, we're gonna talk about a very wet cure bowl where apparently Appalachia State is not far from home and they brought a bunch of rain with them. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about the LA Bowl, which very strange product placement. Very strange. Um, and then I watched some New Mexico Bowl, and I want to talk about that for a little bit, uh, and the fight in Jerry kills, not pulling it out against the Valley. And then we're going to talk some dessert because we we crowned some champions, three in total, and uh, we're going to get to it. So I'm going to jump right in with the Celebration Bowl, the Black National Championship uh, between the Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University Rattlers and Howard University Bison in a tight-fought game with six total turnovers – the Rattlers, of FAMU, pulled it out and are your black national champions, HBCU national champion of 2023. It was a gut-wrenching Howard turnovers, as Jeff said, because he turned it in right as they happened. Uh, and I want to point out, all three of them, poorly executed plays. Just great plays by FAMU, but just poor
1: guy trips on a, yeah. a screenplay. Just unbelievable. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's very much Howard had a number of opportunities in the fourth quarter. I think they were ahead at one point and then the turnovers where they were trying to catch back up and keep pace with FAMU and both those turnovers were just terribly timed where then FAMU was able to just run out the clock. Um, And yeah, tripping is not the way you want to lose a game. And unfortunately there's a player that I hope that his teammates are being supportive of him because yeah, him getting, a wrong step on the turf was a pretty significant factor in in the outcome. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know that he was, again, he's not the proximate cause of what happened in this game. I, I still think very clearly it's the FAMU defense actually put the clamps on Howard's offense all game. Um, what actually kept Howard in this game was their phenomenal defense up until the fourth quarter in which they allowed two touchdowns by the same, same running back coming out of the backfield and going uncovered. Um, excellent scheme by coach Willie Simmons. They call him coach Willie shotgun Simmons. Uh, he actually has a, he has a hoodie with the rattler on it <laughs> and beneath it. It says shotgun on it with the Nike logo. Just a one. Tim, you has always had a one apparel, just perfect. <laughs> it, they would be superb if they would change that orange to gold, but I, oh, be- I love an orange. Um, I love an orange. They wear it. <laughs> well, they, they got it. Um, but one of the things I want to point out on both of those plays, they showed a little eye candy up front and then the defense completely ignored the man out of the backfield um, in one. The, the 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 man in coverage just got caught up in the traffic and just guy runs by him on a wheel route. Uh, but again, great play by FAMU. Hats off to them. They beat one of my alma maters. Their next football game will be against my alma mater, Norfolk State University, in this same stadium for the miac Slack kickoff in August. So I'm very excited about that to get a crack at them. They used to be in the same conference and now they're not. But uh, again, shout out to the Rattlers. They played a great season. They went 11 and one, win the Black National Championship, win the Celebration Bowl, and bring another championship to Florida in the uh, committee era. Since there's two snubs that have happened since then, a, a point Jeff has brought up not only on this podcast but
1: in this episode. Literally since the committee snubbed Florida State, two. Football teams from Tallahassee have won national titles in FAMU and Florida State women's soccer. So, the committee clearly knows nothing because Tallahassee, Florida is just absolutely on, on a tear getting those national titles. Listen to this, Seminoles. I, you,
0: if you want me to talk
1: about the Knowles,
0: go win that Orange Bowl. You win that Orange Bowl, I'll crown you national champions right here. And I'll, you know, what, what power we I'm have, we don't know,
1: but we will declare you national champions.
0: I'll tell you what power I do have. I can access Wikipedia <laughs> and put it right on their page by a <laughs> media is outlet, the, known as Feed Your Mascot.
1: That is the ultimate
0: power in the universe. It sure is. And I'll tell you this, all national championships are awarded by the media. All of them. Every single one of them. It's always been that way. People don't like that. But it, that's how it goes. That's always how it's been, is a newspaper said, these fellas are the national champions this year in football. And that's exactly how it's always been. And we could one of these days, we're going to have a nice little episode about how some of those HBCU national championships were more legitimate than some of these other ones. Um <laughs> Another conversation for another day. Jeff, I know you came in late on this one, but did you see that pick six on a screenplay that Howard had where number six... Safety was just. There's a photo in the Discord where he's just like he's a foot from the neutral zone,
1: and you can tell he's locked in on the QB. I think that was a little bit before I turned the game on. Oh, I so
0: think I think the picks
1: that I I saw. I think I turned it on when the targeting the end zone occurred. It was basically when when I got out of the car and got everything unpacked from the car.
0: Terrible mental lapse. He should have. Uh, he was kind of leisurely going to get the ball. In in college, the rule is if the ball is not fielded in the field of play and is then rolled into the end zone, it is still a touchback. By him taking a knee, the play is over. So it is a late hit. He should have got ejected, not for targeting, just for it being a late hit. We then did have an ejection later for a player spinning on another player. And the refs in this game, and you didn't see this, they missed two face masks on FAMU. Just didn't call them. And they were like egregious face masks. So, I understand refereeing is hard, but man, you got you can't miss personal fouls. And I'm going to stick by it. We should abolish the committee. The committee doesn't know what they're doing. Um, Jeff, you went and watched the Cure Bowl last night, and uh, it was a monsoon. Can you walk me through that?
1: Yeah, so it was raining very heavily in Orlando. They really could not keep the cameras dry and, and not getting water. It was just kind of a lot of plays as well of just in mud and wet. So if that's your kind of football, it was a game for that. Um, cousin and wife's aunt that, that were, we were watching the game with, they're actually planning on going to uh, Disney World in a week. And so they had had their apps out doing planning. And one of the things you can do in the Disney World app is look at wait times. Uh, Which we did because we're like, we wonder how short some of the lines are with how wet it is. And there are basically everything that was outside was like a 15 minute wait max. Um, Somehow Space Mountain was it was so wet it was closed. but Big Thunder Mountain, which is outside, uh, that was open. So I don't know how that logic works. But um, yeah, basically everything that was inside had a very long wait. Everything that was outside had a very short wait. You can guess why.
0: I'm going to point this out. Uh, this game between the Miami of Ohio RedHawks, champions of the MAC, and then Appalachian State. Uh, the final score of this game was 13 to nine. And I just want to point this out. Both teams had total EPAs and the negatives. Miami of Ohio had a total EPA of negative 23.99, which is is literally as low as the system can calculate. And then Appalachian State had an EPA of negative
1: 19.42. There were ten. 10- Total fumbles. Now a number of those were covered, but it was just wet and sloppy, and that's kind of what happens when every when it is raining that hard. A lot of drop passes. Um, App State still, though, managed to have a pretty decent success rate um, and decent yards per play. That's kind of what, where the difference is because Miami just really couldn't get anything going. But yeah, it was just. Some nice, sloppy, fun football.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's how it should be. I think a bowl game like this is great. And you know what? Great job, Mountaineers. You got it. You got a trophy out of it.
1: Very proud of you. Last word on this, Jeff. I'll give it to you if you want it. I was also making latkes through most of this. So that was. It was certainly something on in the background while I was trying, as I was shredding onions to not just tear up totally, but it's OK because the cameras also were tearing up totally. So it balanced itself out. Great job. I hope they came out great and hope you saved me one.
0: Moving on to the LA Bowl. I don't know who the sponsor is. I'm not going to say their names. Don't care. Uh, But the game was played between, I believe this is the Boise State Broncos and the UCLA Bruins. And uh, man, Boise, you kind of did not hold up your end of the bargain here. Um, They did for about half the game.
1: So, Mm -hmm. for basically. So, looking at EPA, it was very even for. Basically the first half and then once second half hit, UCLA really turned it on. UCLA pretty much a home team. This was in not not the Rose Bowl, their home stadium, but in SoFi Stadium that's as the crow flies closer, potentially it's I don't actually know whether or not it's easier to get to because Los Angeles is just insane. But you know, it should be closer you know it, it's closer as the crow flies um ucla very much once in the second half they turned it on they just absolutely pulled away if you look at on game on paper um the epa chart that goes by play number up until about 30 plays in it's about half the game they're even and then massive divergent where ucla just went up vertically or went up and and boise didn't they they actually were. Less effective as the game went on, and if you look at things like EPA per play, UCLA was in the 96th percentile with 0.45. Uh, Boise State was in the 54th percentile with 0.04, and basically, ev- pretty much every uh one of the main team stats, UCLA was in at least in the 50th percentile, if not for the, for a lot of them above the 80th percentile, and Boise just was nowhere near equal to them in any way.
0: I mean, I'm looking at it now. The total EPA for UCLA in this game, 21.5. Boise's won. one, 1.2. I just it it didn't look like it, but you know, the Bruins scored 21 in the third quarter, and that's kind of all she wrote, right? At that point, it was academic, and they ran away with it. Even if you look at win probability in this game, UCLA, like you said. Around that hundred and eighth minute, it was just at that point UCLA ran away with it, and good job for them. A lot of a lot of transfers out from the Bruins. They end on a high note, but what do we? Ha- what's Chip Kelly going to do here going into twenty twenty four? New conference, new QB. Uh,
1: not sure. Yeah, and it's it is very strange because I've talked to some UCLA people because coming from the outside, everything looks fine their their first couple of years under chip were a little bit rough and they've kind of gotten to a relatively consistent place but their recruiting's fallen off very strangely in the past year um and a lot of, there there's a lot of kind of dissatisfaction particularly the way the season ended where yes they beat USC but they had some kind of losses to teams that they should beat as well it was the vibes I've, I keep hearing around UCLA folks are just bizarre so it'll be interesting to see how things go in that first year in the Big Ten and potentially I mean Chip is a smart coach um, and you very much saw in this game you can develop a a game plan that can be very successful and you know they were doing some really interesting things with with using the O-line there's and power off offense as well. So it'll be interesting what it looks like in that first year in the Big Ten if they can hold serve with some unfamiliar teams. But if they can't, I think there are going to be some real questions. So we'll just kind of have to see. And it'll also be a little bit interesting because both for the four newcomers and particularly for them, the way their schedule is, they have a lot of travel in quick succession, a lot of very long travel in quick succession. So... You have a real possibility of, you know, no matter what, who is technically the more or less talented team flying from Los Angeles to New Jersey is a long flight. And how you respond as a team because they're going to Rutgers is going to be a fascinating um, thing with that level of travel of how can you sustain. And that's going to. I think they're. Of the three new Big Ten teams, they're probably the one that has the least talent so they're going to be in an interesting question of are their margins a little bit thinner for things like hey guys just didn't get a good night's sleep because jet lag four new teams um, because they've got four Four new teams. teams sorry
0: yes they've got the two Pacific Northwest teams and then the two LA teams but you're absolutely right long flights I mean I think their closest neighbor heading west or excuse me heading east is Nebraska yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um it'll be great. Uh that being said, it's a far it's a, it's a still a far flight to Seattle from LA.
1: That's yes. It's not a close flight. Like, it's It's I, it's it's a long flight. The the one benefit is you don't have to deal with time zones, but yeah, I mean Right. The 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 pack the current Pac-12 t- uh travel is still a lot of long trips. The only real kind of Or one of the real differences, though, is you don't have time zones in the same way that you're going to in the future. And that as someone that has done this for, you know, lower stakes athletic events, it is very you do have to kind of manage that to make sure you're getting proper sleep, to make sure that you're kind of at the right point in your day to do some of this and going for going west can be easier because if you're. You if you have to be up earlier than you expect it, you know, your brain clock's gonna be already set. Going going east for for that can be difficult. So it'll be interesting to see how a lot of the schools deal with that and how a lot of coaches deal with that. Um I think Chip Kelly, because how forward thinking he's been on a lot of other, a lot of other sports science, it'll be interesting to see if he's got some contacts on maybe making that a little bit easier and working with, with the training staff there at U- UCLA. But I mean, it's a challenge for all four of the new teams. And you know, it's also a challenge for the kind of traditional big 10 teams as well. And a lot of those, those coaches aren't necessarily used to, and those flyers aren't used to the level of time zones. Um, and there may be some teams in the athletic department that are. So we'll see how some of that information is shared. Body clocks,
0: everybody. Body clocks. Uh, Moving on to the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, One of the darlings of this season, the New Mexico State Aggies playing what amounts to a home game. Las Cruces is about an hour from Albuquerque, and they've got a team coming in from the Valley, Fresno State, the Bulldogs. And uh, well, it went poorly for the Aggies. Uh, Aggies got completely blown out, run off the field. They are in and and I'm, I'm looking at all of their statistics. They are in the 10th percentile of EPA per play. They are in the third percentile in yards per play at three yards per play. They had a dropback of the EPA per dropback is -0. 0.73, which puts them in the second percentile. I mean, they were just blown out in every category. Although their red zone, their red zone success rate was one hundred percent, so that did them a lot of good. They only scored ten points, so they only got to the red zone twice. Um, and I. I, one story that I found super interesting, and Jeff will, I want Jeff to chime in on this. Because the game is played on the University of New Mexico's campus, New Mexico would not allow New Mexico State to practice on campus because of an incident that happened off, uh, at the beginning of the year between that rivalry game. If you want to find it, go look it up. Not going to get into it. Uh, but this was just one petty act deserved another, according to New Mexico, the University of. And uh, the Lobos would not let them practice, and it
1: showed. Yeah, that, that is- I mean, one that is what makes college football great is lots and lots of little pettiness. But yeah, and, and and that really contributed to Mexico State, which has really had a great season. I think we we all, both us and the actual people that make the short list uh, in our list of coaches of the year, left off Jerry Kill. But they've they've been in a really great build at a place that kind of does struggle. They they also made a bowl game for you know, the second time or second or third time in 50 years last year. So it's they're doing a, a good job out there. But yeah, they look out of sorts in this game, and, and that's unfortunately why it's kind of interesting that they were a home home team but didn't have or had theoretical home field advantage being an in-state team, but didn't. Quite have everything they need to feel at home. I mean, Fresno State also is just such a real good good. team.
0: They're real good. I, you know, this Fresno team has had a great season. They're nine and four. They, you know, they beat
1: multiple P five teams.
0: They beat multiple P five teams this season, including, you know, maybe one from Indiana, um, and then another one from Arizona. I mean. Even though they lost three in a row to the end the season, they had a great season. So shout out to the Bulldogs and looking forward to next year. All right, Jeff, you ready to go to some
1: dessert? I am ready. So we've got FCS playoffs and, and semifinal phase and D two and D three playoffs that crown their champions this weekend. Uh-oh. Um so uh South Dakota State dominated Albany. 15 nothing um yeah albany had a, a really good run um with the great danes but they ran out of luck yeah yeah unfortunately a dakota state happens sometimes um what the other dakota state north dakota state two overtime game uh lost 29 31 to grizzly of montana got um, mauled yeah um and that was, I encourage everyone to go and look at the highlights of that game. So um, good. The, the end of the game was a pick on a two-point conversion. There were fake punts. There were returns out of just a mob of people. A player comes out, returns a uh, punt for a touchdown. Um, a lot of interesting things on the lines with both teams doing a really good job getting pressure in the passing game. But a lot of if you love seeing pulling guards and power football, there was a ton from both teams in here. Couple trick plays. It was a fantastic game that went down to the wire. Um, And kind of statistically, if you look at EPA, North Dakota State maybe should have won it, but it's sometimes not just what's on paper. And fantastic game, and yeah, well. I think it's going to be a really great championship game between the Grizz and uh, the Jackrabbits. Agreed. I I hear
0: that on the stats, but Montana's, they've been playing scrappy all year. Yeah. I mean, their one loss is to Northern Arizona, go Lumberjacks. Um, and just like, even though this game went back and forth a little, Montana played great when they needed to. And that's, that's the difference, right? Like, that's, you know, that's the difference. That's how you win a game. You play better when you have to. So, clean game, no turnovers. Um, and then, Jeff, I, you have a note here. Um, I don't know why President Harding was playing football. <laughs> but the Colorado Schools of Mines, one of the best seasons they've had in quite a while, gets to the national championship game in the D2 level. And it just goes badly. Tell me about
1: it. Yeah, they lost to Harding uh, 38 to 7. I'm going to do some quick as we speak research uh, on uh, on Harding. Oh, boy. On Harding University in... Come on, Google. Make sure I get this location right. I know Colorado State is in Golden, Colorado. Yes, the same place that uh, Cores. Has their main factory? I have a friend from work that uh, got his grad degree at Colorado School of Mines and w- took great advantage of the core's tap room that they have there because it's typically uh, a reasonable place, or was at one point, a reasonable place to eat and drink. And he did some nice studying there. Okay, I'm I'm having some technical difficulties getting your information on. Harding University. But the Color School of Mines 38 7, just dominating. If you look at game on paper, it's just every category for Harding is green. They just played a complete game. Um, and School of Mines didn't. And, yeah. And uh, we're stopped from doing what they do. So it's tough when you can't
0: execute. Um, Harding University is in Searcy, Arkansas. Um, so they went out there and got the W. And now I think, is this their, We, we you had a couple of notes of this. Is this the first time they've won a national championship? Is this their first national championship of football?
1: I believe so.
0: And you had an interesting note about first time champs.
1: That was the D3 level Uh when we get to oh, that game. Let's go. Has, right. So in division three, we also had, uh, national title game uh, this past weekend. Cortland beat North Central out of Ohio 38-37. This was another barn burner. Um, both teams in EPA were, per play were above the 95th percentile. Um, really, the difference is one of the differences is Cortland was just, was throwing it better and North Central was running it better But and it was back and forth for just about the whole game. Uh, this is Cortland's first national title at the D3 level. At the D3 level, the last first-time national ti- national champion was in 2019. That was North Central. Before that, the la- the then to go back to find the last first-time national champ before then was 04. Um, the D3 level is dominated really by. Uh, Mountain Union in Ohio and University of Wisconsin Whitewater and they basically trade back for quite a while trading back and forth um, national titles so it is really great to see uh, a new champ at that level and some other schools have success there because it's just so top heavy
0: Yeah, uh, Whitewater has produced a whole lot of talent including Kansas's head coach, Lance (laughs) Lightfoot. Yep. So Lots of great stuff coming out of there. Uh, The champion in the 2004 season, Linfield. Linfield University, a private school in uh, Oregon. So, good for them. Fun times. Uh, That championship was played in Salem, Virginia. So, not far from where I'm at right now. Well, kind of far. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of far. N- n- knowing the roads around you, everything is far, even if it's not actually far.
0: That is correct. At least it, it's far in time commitment. Yes. Well, Jeff, had a great week one for Bowls. Week two for Bowls is coming up. Our
1: bowl preview
0: is going live if it's not already live. And Jeff has done the lion's share of this, folks. So he's been doing the a great f- job.
1: First week, uh, we've got up on our two socials. Uh, the second group, I'll put those up um probably some point today because we do have a bowl game on monday uh we do tomorrow at two thirty, 30 not far from where i am currently sitting right now in charlotte um so which is fun yes i would say our our Bull preview via uh, foods and drink recommendations. Um, so look out for that um, on our Twitter and our Instagram. In actually, probably potentially before this actually comes out, depending on how long editing takes. So, uh
0: oh, we're in a race. We're in a race. Uh, Jeff, as our executive chef of production, what do we have coming up and what do you want to leave the people with?
1: So we've got another uh, great week of bowls and bowl previews. It'll look a lot like this show where we just kind of do a bit of free form of what some of the bowls that we were able to uh, watch are between all of our family commitments. Um, And hopefully everyone had a good Hanukkah uh, this past week. We've got Christmas coming up, Kwanzaa coming up, uh, New Year's coming up. So I hope everyone enjoys, if they have the ability to, um, holiday with families, friends. um, And everybody stay safe in any traveling you do. I do a lot of traveling this time of year. I know a lot of folks also do that and weather can be uh, dangerous and other holiday uh, difficulties in travel. So hopefully everybody stays safe out there.
0: Absolutely stay safe. I'll say it for Jeff. Boiler up and Indiana. Word. Um, We've got Bulls coming up, folks. This is it. We're on the last leg of the season. And uh, once we get into the new year, it'll be time to have that national championship game on a Monday for some reason. Not sure why. It's a TV thing. Don't care. Play the game on Saturday. Um, But that being said, folks, this is is the time. If you have an extra Bull game, try to catch it if you can. Uh, If you can't, that's also fine, but watch some of these national champions get crowned. Uh, I want to shout out... Or just random
1: teams have a good time.
0: Or random teams have a good time. That's also worth it, too. Uh, But I do want to make sure I shout out FAMU again. Great season from the Rattlers, 12-1. and They are the epitome of HBCU ball and back on the mountaintop after they have a lot of near misses and a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Apparently, strike, strike, and strike again. Sometimes we strike yourself. But of course, FAMU, that's all in jest. We love you. We are proud of you. And I will make sure I shout out all of my FAMU uh, friends and family and and say positively to strike, strike, and strike again. Um, So shout out to FAMU and all the Tallahassee people on the top of that Seventh Hill. Uh, And as always, remember to feed your mascot.